Welcome to episode 67 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello. And our special guest tonight is the young, the virile, full of baby-making sperm, Dominic Yossi. Hello. Why do I have to sit next to this guy? Cool. Come. Because you grabbed the short straw. It is August 4th, and the year is just flying by. Like light speed. Tonight we're going to talk about Ian's excellent adventure at Comic Con, and we're going to give our Guardians of the Galaxy spoiler-filled review after the four of us sat down and watched it on uh, what, Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night. So, Ian, why don't you lead us off with housekeeping? Sure thing. While I was in San Diego, I. Took in a lot of different sites, but I wanted to come back to something familiar whenever I got home. So I went on mixsauce.com and checked out the reviews. The strip podcast. Wednesday is whenever we generally post the podcast. You can go to Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. On iTunes, you can rate and review. We haven't received any kind of ratings or review of our show in a very long time. So if you could... Please be so generous as to leave some comments and thoughts there. You can follow us on Facebook page and leave us some feedback. I know that I posted the other week a poll for who is the douchiest on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Were there votes? There were votes. There weren't a lot of votes. I'll leave it up for another <laughs> week. But there weren't very many votes. So please go to the McSauce Facebook fan page and vote for who you think the douchiest person is on um, on there. And also, um, as part of some of the, the um, things that I did last week in San Diego, I took a whole lot of pictures of all the events that we're going to be talking about. And I created the McSauce Instagram page. So you go to Instagram and type in McSauce into the search and you can pull up... Some of the photos that we're going to be talking about, some of the things that I did whenever I was out in San Diego. So that is something that we'll have for you as well. How about that? Yeah. I started posting some stuff today. By the time this goes up on Wednesday, I'll have all the pictures that I want to put up on there. But we already got some some people interested and liking. So it's good feedback. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. That, um, the Ben Kenobi. We'll use the Force for food. Clever. Yeah, there are a lot of interesting characters out in San Diego. Can you just Jedi mind trick some food out of people? <laughs> I think. But yeah, by the time this comes up, I'll, I, I took over 300 pictures. My wife took a whole bunch of pictures, so I'll put a bunch of the different things that we got to experience and see up on the McSauce Instagram page, and maybe in the future we'll be able to use it for other things that we do, so. Looks pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Ian, is there, what was your favorite part of Comic-Con? My favorite part? We did so many things. My favorite part, selfishly, was on the final day uh, the last thing that we did, we went to Jim Lee's panel, where he, it was How to Draw with Jim Lee. We went into one of the, it, it was a smaller room, it was one of the smaller rooms, not 
a big gigantic Hall H style one where they have all the huge announcements for all the movies and things like that. This was a uh, smaller room. Jim Lee came in. Kind of keeping it close to its roots, comic book roots, rather than movies and shows and stuff like that. That was one of the things that I felt was important with this trip out to Comic-Con was taking a look at all the comic-related things. That's why... I went out there in the first place was because of my love of comic books and that whole culture. So I felt it was fitting that the final day I got to sit down and watch somebody that I've grown up admiring do his thing. And he drew a couple of, um, throughout the weekend, he had 50 different sketches to celebrate his 50th birthday. He's 50? He's 50. No, he's not. That's 50 true. years old. And if you follow Jim Lee on Twitter... By the time Comic-Con was over, you were like, Jim Lee quit it with the fucking pictures already. Stop tweeting. Please. Enough. He finished up the final three illustrations while he was doing the panel. And it was just amazing to see um, the way that he works, the kind of uh, quality that goes into something that he... Did in you know he did three of these drawings they were already drawn out he just inked them but still the level of detail that he put into the drawings and how quickly he did them also in some of the pictures I have here I didn't take the greatest pictures because it was just with my camera phone my wife however did take some amazing shots of a lot of the different pictures that he put up on the screen and as he was inking them just how the progression went along. Um, Jim Lee was—he was a really funny guy. He was really personable. He was—he was so human, and he really felt like somebody that you can identify with, somebody that you knew. It was—it um, was just amazing to watch him, you know, do the thing that made him so famous. Even now, he wears a lot of different hats for DC. He's chief creative executive, I believe, is his title or something. Co-publisher. And um, but to see him actually sit down and draw one one of the things that I thought was the best was one of the final pictures that he was drawing was a poison ivy um, and he was he was kind of working some things out and he fucked this rose up <laughs> so bad and he he was talking he was like oh my mom's a florist and she's gonna kick my ass and this is pretty bad huh and it was it was funny to see him react to something that you know that he drew badly. And I think us as artists, we all know how you feel when you, you maybe fudge some stuff up. You, you feel like you can maybe not get it right or whatever. It was funny to see one of the legends of comic books kind of fuck something up and joke about it. It's pretty cool getting that that live first-hand account. Because by the time we get any of Jim Lee's artwork, it's the finished product in a comic book, and a poster. It's absolutely complete. We don't get to see all those little fuck-ups that goes into making... All of the artwork that he does. Yeah, I mean, it was it was in, it was still incredible to watch him take, you know, a brush and a pen and sit there and the way that he just it was just interesting. He was just putting ink down and it seemed like everything fell in the right place except for whenever he drew that rose because it was all <sighs> fucked up. But it, it it was just really impressive. I think my wife even really liked. She doesn't know a ton about comic books or you know. The, the details about anchors and artists and who certain artists are, but she came out of that panel 
really excited. I think a big fan of his work and more of a fan of of him as a person because he he was really really engaging as a speaker. So it was that was my favorite part um, was just having a little chat with Jim Lee. But there was a lot of stuff that we did throughout the week. Um, it was amazing to see the entire section of downtown San Diego right by the convention center just taken over uh, everything from the buses to the pedicab. Their cabs were designed as like the chariot for Hunger Games or the Game of Thrones, the Iron Throne from that series. Just everything. Entire restaurants were you know, wrapped in the Blacklist restaurant, and there was a Constantine, um, like, Omnimax um, tent that was set up downtown. Just everything and everywhere. Buildings, skyscrapers had gigantic advertisements on them, and it was it was just breathtaking to see, and it was so fun, like, just driving down the energy of everybody around there and and the fact that Comic-Con was going on and everybody was dressed up and it was just it was a really fun environment to be in. All those nerds. All those nerds. Exuding all that nerdness. Yeah. There were um, there was a parking the parking lot in Petco Park where the Padres play had a bunch of different things set up. There was an X-Men display. There was a Adult Swim had a couple blow-up tent kind of things. They had a blow-up castle and a blow-up meatwad tent. Sin City was there, and they had... that meatball. What's that? Yeah, meatwad's a meatball. Sin City was there. They had a bunch of the cars, like the retro-looking cars from the the film, as well as they had some suicide girls dressed up as characters from the film taking pictures with people. Um, They had... um, bunch of Simpson displays because I guess FX is releasing all the episodes so they had this giant Homer dome thing that you could take pictures with it was it was big gigantic Homer head in the middle of this field um, Fox had Gotham's a Gotham City cardboard cutout set out there and you could zip line through the cardboard cutout of Gotham City it's oh, pretty slick that's there, a really cool idea. There was a Godzilla display where you could walk through the alleyways of this little kind of thing around the statue of Godzilla. And they had artwork from the films as well as just different artists from different parts of the world that contributed posters and things like that to the new Godzilla movie, which I lost money for uh, betting against. <laughs> Um, when you walk further downtown into the gas lamp district, there every single what's the gas la- the gas lamp district? I'd imagine it's a district that has a bunch of bars and shops and things like that for people that live in Pittsburgh. I'd imagine it's like the South Side, their South Side, but mm-hmm. it's nicer or and cleaner. Maniunk, if you live in Philadelphia, Tom Lynch, let me know if I have that right. <laughs> Is it the is it the flats? What's in the Ohio? Fl- in Ohio? The flats are in Cleveland. Cleveland, okay. So it's the... The bar district? Bar party district. Every single store in there was taken over by Comic-Con. They had artists set some of their artwork along the streets. Um, we went to the Chuck Jones Gallery, who's a famous cartoonist 
and they had all different kinds of Alex Ross paintings and things Chuck like Jones, that. Chuck Jones, that's the uh, old Warner Brothers guy? Yes. Directed all the old like Looney Tunes? We also went into um, a few of the hotels around Comic-Con. There's so much stuff to do that you didn't have to have your badge or pay for. So the first two days, we just went around and went to all the free Side stuff. Yeah. I mean, we they handed out so many free things that we had to have a bunch of bags. They gave you bags. Have you been to San Diego before? I have been to San Diego before. This was much better this time. Yeah, right. <laughs> did it feel like a totally different place because of this? It did. And what was funny was the on the Monday that we left, because we didn't leave just Sunday after, we, we were still there Monday until 7 o'clock at night. We drove back downtown just to see what downtown looked like without all the vehicle wraps and everything. It was a, it was pretty boring. Was everything gone by then? Most of it was gone. It probably was like sad. It was so sad. It was so boring. There was just there's no like, life. It's like the day after Christmas. You're just like mm. when you drove around Petco Park during that weekend. All the the sides of the building were taken up with Once Upon a Time and um, the. There was, um, what's the show that um, Omar Epps is on? The Revelation or... The program. Not Res- the program. Resurrection. Resurrection. On, the, on each side of Petco Park, they had gigantic advertisements for TV shows. It was just exciting and fun to see. But at the, the hotels around had the Xbox Lounge and the Nintendo Lounge. So we went in there and... Got to see some video games. What about the PlayStation Lounge? There was no PlayStation Lounge, which was disturbing. I didn't know why. There would have been a yeah. lot more people there. Yeah, Sony didn't have any real no things. Presence. No presence there. Well, that's because that mistake of Amazing Spider-Man that? made him go broke. System or something. Is that the thing? It was some, like, test footage that they think might be the thing. It's unconfirmed picture of what might be the thing. Um, the day that we walked into the actual convention on Sunday, we woke up early, we went down there, we were walking by the line for Hall H, and we heard these big roars. Which and was the Supernatural panel. Supernatural panel. And we knew that, but we had to go get our badges so we couldn't wait in line, or we would have probably waited. Well, and every Hall H line is supposed to like wrap out into the marina. This one wasn't so bad because um, it was after... Saturday, which is the big one, and everybody usually clears out. And Supernatural, while it's a big nerd-centric thing, it's not the Avengers or Batman and Super. No, it's not. So the line was relatively short. We heard this this cheer erupt, and I turned around, and Misha Collins, Castiel, was walking right at me. So I took a couple pictures of him. And then you blew him. Those pictures are right here. There he is. There he is. There he is. Why does he look so confused? He was getting coffee for people, apparently, and he was signing autographs and stuff. Wow. Yeah, Supernatural I, I read that. must not be popular anymore. He's like a... No, no, people were freaking out. Like, yeah, it was, I read that Misha cool. Collins and Jared Padalecki both came out and were walking up and down the line for that panel. Or was Jensen Ackles? He's too good for all-age lines. Oh, okay. So it was Mark Shepard, apparently. Who's that? Uh, Crowley. Oh, okay. When we went in on that that Sunday, there's a table, freebies table, with all these different, um, there were some buttons, there were flyers, there were business cards and postcards, things that people, I'm sure, paid a lot of money to put on the freebie table at San Diego Comic-Con, and I promptly slapped down some business cards for Mixed <laughs> So, you might have been able to I would to like get- one person 
to have picked up a McSauce business card. And maybe they're listening right now. And if, if you picked up that business card and you're listening, thank you. Yeah, get in we contact with it. us. So inside the actual con, was um, it was extremely exciting to go down. And we had to sit there and wait for an hour in line before they actually opened up. Because you could pick up your badges at 8, but the actual convention didn't open until 9. So we waited around, getting a little impatient. They finally let us in. Ran downstairs, went to the sideshow um, booth. They had like sideshow collectibles. Sideshow collectibles had a giant um, life-size Boba Fett and Han Solo frozen in carbonite, which is pretty cool. Um, went to the DC booth, and there were a lot of cool things at the DC booth. They had the they're celebrating 75th anniversary of Batman, so they had all the Batman costumes from the movie set along. So that was. Interesting. DC really seemed to push uh, the three TV series. The three that are upcoming this fall plus Arrow. I feel like any DC news that came out of Comic-Con the, whole, the entire weekend was focused on one of these four shows. I agree. They're in multiple places at the DC booth as well as at the Warner Brothers booth. They had these big, gigantic... Um, billboards with the four TV shows that are coming out. There was a picture I saw online of um, Matt Ryan, who's going to be Constantine, Ben McKenzie, who will be Jim Gordon, Steve Amell as uh, Arrow, and Grant Gustin's Flash, all together taking pictures. So, like, seeing all of those four more, more or less iconic characters all together was pretty neat. And one of the things that we got to do earlier in the week was go into... Um, the Constantine like uh, carnival tent and see this Omnimax presentation of some of the footage of what Constantine's going to look like. You couldn't get a real solid sense because they didn't show a lot of TV footage. It was all like pre-produced stuff for this, you know, the the tent. But you got to see the um, the actor walk out and he was, he was doing the voiceover the whole time. His his accent and his voice sound really good. That's about all I can say. Like there wasn't anything else that really hinted at what the show's going to be. Yeah, I think Constant. I think Constantine more so than the other three shows are going to be, or other two shows, meaning Gotham and the Flash that are brand that are brand new. I think Constantine is really going to be the biggest flip of the flip of the coin. Yeah, because I mean it can go any way. NBC is going to be trying to handle a primetime show based on magic and demons, like kind of their own supernatural kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot going on outside of their realm. Yeah, like you get a better sense that you know Gotham is going to be a crime show. Uh, the Flash, you know, the Flash is going to be a brighter be version of a superhero Arrow. show, right? Yeah. Um, but Constantine, we haven't seen enough or heard enough about it to know what direction it's really going to go in. But I'm interested. What day is Constantine going to be on? That's a good question. Why don't you just yeah. talk amongst yourselves, and I'll research that. I know it's on my computer at home because I have a note right there of all my TV shows that are listed. Can you run home and get it real quick? Yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> um, um, I believe it's Constantine. Is it? I think it's Monday at eight. I know. It's, I think it's an eight o'clock show. Sounds like a, like a DVR program for this. Um, it's conflicting Friday. with our podcast. Okay, Friday. It's going to premiere Friday, October twenty fourth. Already given it the uh, the slot of death. <laughs> Only thing worse would be a Saturday night. Well, you know, Supernatural is balanced all over the week, 
and it's starting its 10th season this year. And that's, like, every, every year Supernatural comes back. You know, I, I thank the TV gods that it's come back. And even, um, you know, I read some of the some of the transcripts from the super, from from that supernatural panel, and um, Jared Padalecki said that there were there have been a bunch of times during the course of the series where, as as a show, like everyone just kind of kept their head down and didn't do a whole lot, didn't want to make waves, especially when it went from WB to to CW, um, and they just kind of wanted to just stay the course and do their own thing without doing anything to risk getting noticed and getting canceled. And the show originally was only written for four or five seasons, something like that. Yeah, five seasons, that was it. It had a really logical ending, so it was a pretty difficult thing to bring it back and write all those characters back into something that made any kind of sense. You can watch seasons one through five and stop and get a complete story. And anything after that, I've I've really enjoyed, but it's like icing on the cake at that point. Yeah. So. I'm only like halfway through season three, so I'm probably going to stop after five and just get the whole story. There's so much on my list. There is. That if five rounds it out, I'm okay with that. That's okay. I, I, I appreciate that. I will allow that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh couple other things that I did while I was out there. I got to meet Frank Cho, and I got a... Um, oh, I see how it is. You're with Tracy, and you have the balls to go up and talk to Frank Cho. But when I'm with you, you freeze like a little fucking girl. I was still kind of frozen. She was like, isn't that your You, guy? you got a picture with I him. got a picture with Frank Cho. He, I you got, son of a bitch. I bought a sign. As if the picture with the Penny Arcade guys wasn't a slap in the face enough. <laughs> I, I bought a signed Baroness print. You you are a pig. I know. Uh, I know. Paul, did you, did you meet Frank Cho? No, I was also a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he was a really nice guy. I can tell you that. And I did also meet the guys from Penny Arcade, talked to them for a little bit, tried not to be too much of a kiss-ass fanboy. What's up with this picture? That picture is taken on Tracy's screen of her camera because she did because I wanted to send it to you guys, so I took it. Oh, uh, So you, it's a picture of a picture. Did you, when you were talking to them, did you say, hey, we've got a webcomic too? I did say, I'm an aspiring webcomic artist. I really appreciate the things that you guys do. Very inspiring. I was talking to I, I was talking to someone about about that, and they were like, "Well, Ian should have said that you guys do do something like that too." No, and I shouldn't have because we, like, ah. we don't do we don't do something. That's why I said aspiring webcomic artist kept it short, moved right along because that's too much. And like I I don't talk to famous people unless like I, I unless, unless they, they talk to you first. Yeah. Well, Mr. McGinty, how are you today? <laughs> well, because like, hey, I it's Paul. I don't want to. Hey, I'm Robert like, De Niro. There's, and I guess maybe this is different because it's, it's an actual signing. Like I've, I've met a handful of people where there have been signings. You wait in line. That's what they're there for. But you know how many times these guys get bombarded with, "Hey, we do a webcomic. We do a webcomic." You know, All the blah, time. Blah, blah. Yeah. And like I would feel so weird doing that, even yeah. if. Well, maybe if they look at it, maybe they like it. Maybe you know you I, guys get yeah. pumped from that. Blah blah. blah. I'm like, yeah. I didn't hand them a business card. I didn't tell them what it was because it's weird. And and maybe it's a super huge, terrible business move. But at the same time, like, it's just so... 
Weird. I can't do it either, and I was standing by the My table. brother is listening to this right now, pulling his hair out. I know, I know. He's because like, you guys are awful at marketing! He would have went behind their table, sat down between them, and been like, look at these strips. Because Probably I, got escorted out of Comic-Con at that point, but... Because I went to, but made an impact, and they would remember and probably, mm-hmm. you know... The, the history of McSauce. Now they're like, McSauce, which black guy was that? <laughs> I was standing at the table. I was getting you, Paul, the fruit fucker pin. And Tracy was like, oh, these are these are your guys too, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she said, you should, there's nobody over here. No one is talking to them. They're, oh, they're just God. sitting there. Go over there and talk to them. I and, couldn't have done it. And I've... I've Hey, 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 sir, sir. Uh, uh, uh. My name is Ian. We should have said Captain Creepy across the table. Oh, I know. Mr. Weirdly Touched Celebrities Awkwardly. And he would have got the job done. He would have put his fingers right on their tape. Because right now, almost a week later, they'd they'd be like, or I I guess it is a week later, they'd be like, remember that guy? They rubbed the small of your back a little too long. <laughs> yeah, you guys' marketing prowess. I know is it's, it's it's amazing. You should I know. have told them who the fuck you were, what you do, give them a business card, pulled up the website in front of them, and been like, "This is what we do. This is they why we need. See it. This is why we needed Matt with Matt Cassell. Sexual harassment. All engines go." So from now on, you're in charge of the marketing. Have not sexually harassed anyone yet. Terry Gilliam, Nick Gillard, Nick Gillard, Nick Gillard, <laughs> Terry, Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. Terry, uh, isn't he the guy from Lost or something? No, no? Terry Gilliam is the Gilliam's guy from the, one of the Monty Python yeah, I believe. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Terry Gilliam, uh, no, Nick Gillard. All I did was I kind of touched his arm, sort of. That like that's. Far enough away from any genitalia, it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, those were the highlights of Comic Con. Had a good time. Go back. Mm. Had a good time in San Diego. Would love to go back. Are you going to go back next year? Maybe. Is this an annual trek? I'd love to, man. I really had a, every I had year a blast. you would do it. Ten out of ten. Wow. Met and exceeded my expectations. Now, he went with a 9 for his expectations going in. One point point of actual being there swing. Actual being <laughs> yeah. there swing. It's very impactful being there. Meeting all your heroes. Now, um, would you ever consider uh, like another convention? Like, um, would, you, would you do like Wizard World in Chicago? Yeah. Or is that... Too small time for you now. No, I would consider that. I really like the city of Chicago, so uh-huh. I think that would work out. Uh, uh, isn't Chicago C two E two? Yeah, C two E two, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would you Would you go to a different kind? Would you go to E three in Los Angeles? Yeah, I would. I enjoy all the, the, um, the Electronics Entertainment Expo, Paul. That's like the big video game uh, convention. It's kind of like. Don't wake me sleeping. What Comic Con right. is for comic books I'm on my way. to video games. Well, I don't really play video games as much as I used to. I still enjoy the shit out of everything that goes into video games. Still yeah. keep um, keep on top of the new developments in video games. So I would definitely go to E3. Would you go to Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim? 
Maybe. I think that would be a lot of fun. It would be really cool. I like Star yeah. Wars. Ian, while you had a raucous good time, I thought the big national news coming out of the actual convention was lacking. I agree with that. Now, all that stuff after I spent time being at the convention, none of the news filtered out to me while I was there. So afterwards, I came back to the hotel, pulled it up on the iPad, and there was really nothing. I mean, big Wonder Woman picture um, that was was leaked online by Zack Snyder. uh, Released, I guess. I was all over the nerd sites, Twitter, the entire weekend, waiting for huge news. In particular, huge Star Wars news. And... We got nothing. There was nothing from... There was generally no big news across the board, but I was really surprised that Star Wars didn't do anything. They didn't... They, yeah, they didn't have a presence at all. The biggest news, in my opinion, coming out of it was... The picture of Wonder Woman from Batman v Superman, and Marvel's announcement of three Star Wars titles starting next January. Uh, the Deadpool video got some buzz, and then I guess with uh, how much of the actual Batman v Superman little minute clip or whatnot they released. Yeah, but released. nationally, like the only footage. We get to see is you know someone videotaping the screen from the back of the. Did room. you see yeah. that footage, Paul? I couldn't even find that. Really? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the Avengers footage that was released. But this is no. I didn't see the Avengers footage. But you know, like the Avengers stuff isn't. It isn't real news to me. You know, they released the Ant Man poster. I think the weekend before. Um, we know what's going on in in Avengers. We know the plot. I would have liked to have seen the trailer, but it wasn't like, holy shit, can you believe that? Like, if Star Wars would have came out and announced the title of Episode 7, that would have been like, holy shit, news. But no one did that. The closest I think anyone got was releasing the Wonder Woman image. Yeah. Which looks amazing. Matt? Walrus, yes. The only... The only Star Wars stuff we got was Rebels... Uh, news and you know whatever I mean, it's a cartoon show coming out this fall yeah we're all kind of like interested but not insanely excited about it right. uh, the Wonder Woman costume um, I thought it looked pretty good I would have preferred some more color to it well, I think we need to resign ourselves to the desaturated world of the DC, DC movie universe yeah, uh, yeah right and, you know, if that's the way it's going to be, okay, whatever. But um, if, if I'm allowed to pick and choose what it's going to look like, I put some more color in that outfit. Yeah. I would who knows? Maybe that, outfit, line. maybe that outfit actually does have that color. Like Paul said about the uh, Superman <coughs> outfit from the Man of Steel, the original Man of Steel. But the only time was we're going to get to see the color is in the... Deleted you know, scene. The, the yeah. unfiltered, you know, making of DVD clips. But I, there's nothing about that Wonder Woman costume I can argue about. Yeah, it looks, looks like really good. DC new Wonder Woman. She looks pretty badass for being such a tiny little girl. Yeah, she yeah, looks that, pretty big. Like, I, I thought that, um, be it Photoshop or her exercise regimen, she looks kind of filled out. Well, she's supposed to be taking on 
the same workout routine that Henry Cavill did for Man of Steel. So the one that you her, have now taken on, is that right? Correct. I expect her to be even bigger than that picture, at least a little more cut by the time the movie comes out. Yeah. Um, but I, I still thought she looked petite. Actually, um, it seeing her in the outfit actually sort of emphasizes to me she was miscast. Uh, she just doesn't have the physique to be Wonder Woman. Again, this is if I get to pick and choose. She might come in and do a fantastic portrayal of Wonder Woman, but the way the character looks is a big, big part of it. It's like the first step. And if you like stumble with that first step, it's a total uphill battle at that point. Yeah. I, I, I still I think it looks good, though. Like, I, I do. And coming from me, like, I've always been a fan of the contrast between a slight female doing all these extraordinarily strong things. Like, yeah. I liked when the DC, when DC relaunched Supergirl, they kept her slight, they kept her thin, uh, the artist whose name I forget drew her like a teenager, and then when you see her, like, pick up a tank, you're like, holy shit. Like, the contrast between how much power she has and how little she is is really impactful for me. So, that that's what I'm hoping for for this Wonder Woman. But costume-wise, look good. Yeah, the design of it's fine. The colors are... Yeah, lack of color is brown. my issue. Yeah. It's, the whole thing well, it's is a, essentially... It's a sepia tone movie. Is that what it's going to be? So it's going to be timey like, Batman v Superman. It's going to be like uh, like Zack Snyder back going to um, three hundred. Yeah. In between scenes, there's going to be just black paneling that tells you what's going on in the movie, ah, okay. like the old silent movies. <laughs> Meet me in Crime Alley. Like. <laughs> and it's going to be like super fast forward. And, and uh, there's going to be a piano soundtrack the entire fucking movie. Oh, old timey Western piano. You know, I once. It's going to like zoom in and zoom out with like the circular to black. <laughs> I, I once saw the original silent version of The Wizard of Oz um, mm. from. Like the movie just on mute? No, it was, it was the original Wizard of Oz movie that predates. Not the Judy Garland joint. Right, not ah. the Judy Garland one. This predates it by about 20 years. Uh, it came out in like 1919, somewhere in there. And um, it was like the most unwatchable piece of shit I've ever <laughs> fucking seen. Well, that's because you got spoiled with your color. Yeah, well, speaking of color... And your talkies. This movie oh. was... Beyond Oh, that's racist. such a portly there was, yeah. there was a black character <laughs> named The Tank Man. I think his name was Snowball. Oh. It was it was they. painfully racist. Oh, and, that's the black guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, Have you I, seen it, Paul? Do you know what I'm talking about? I haven't seen it. I'm just looking up images now. And right before you said that I was like, Who the fuck is this black guy? It was it was like a <laughs> loop of this piano song that ran the entire fucking movie. And the movie wasn't short. It wasn't like it was a half an hour thing. It was like an right hour and a half, two hour movie. I, it, like, I never want to have to watch it again. It's like punishment. I have been sold on this movie by looking at some of these pictures. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Is that his name, Snowball? I guess. Is that what they... I mean, that's what I typed in and I found this poor schmuck. <laughs> yep. 
So, do you know which one it is? Uh, is it that guy? On the... Oh, I just... Is this guy right That's here? That's him, yeah. How about that? How, how did we want to... On Silent Wizard of Oz. Oh, Seppi and Batman Yeah, here's some leaked footage of Zack Snyder's <laughs> Batman piece. Yeah. Sorry, people at home that couldn't see that picture. So the other, the other big news that I was pretty excited about, more excited than I thought I would be, was Marvel's announcement of three Star Wars titles, comic book titles, for 2015. Um, there will be a Star Wars title. Written by Jason Aaron, drawn by John Cassidy, ongoing. A um, another ongoing Darth Ca- Vader series. Cassidy's going to do the interiors. Yeah, and this is going to come out once a month. Schedule pending, but for, it's he'll do it for ongoing. six issues, which are already in the bag. I bet you six issues do not come out monthly on that book. If Cassidy is the artist, he I, is bet you, I bet you he lasts. One issue, and the second issue will be delayed in some capacity because of his tardiness. He's a major offender of that. I remember his work on Astonishing X-Men taking forever to get to... I think it was the final issue where they send Kitty Pryde off into the cosmos in this big space bullet, and it was you, you knew she was on it, and you were thinking for like a year, like, how is she going to get off of it? And it was such a cliffhanger. Because he was late as fuck with that issue. The second ongoing is Darth Vader by writer Kieran Gillen and artist Salvador LaRocca. And five issue is Princess Leia miniseries. Kieran Gillen by, is a really good writer. By Mark Wade and the Dodsons. They got top talent on these books. I Kieran think that's Gillen something that we were kind of questionable what is about. Kieran He's done a lot of X Men stuff. Like he did a good run on Uncanny X Men with the Dodsons. Um, He's done some Punisher things. Uh Um, Most of his work is on either Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, or I think that he did a little bit on Wolverine at some point. Really good writer. Now, Paul, why does this excite you so much, considering we kind of already knew Marvel was going to be making Star Wars comics at the very beginning of the new year? Um, I don't really know. I think because I like I like the Star Wars brand, and I want to love something else. I've been let down a lot of times, but I'm I'm always I'm probably always going to go back. And yeah. with the talent between John Cassidy and Jason Aaron, they released pencil pages by Cassidy already. Han Solo looks like Harrison Ford. And that's one of Cassidy's strengths. These characters are going to look like the actors. And I think that's a big part in writing something involving movie cast. Mm-hmm. Um, for as much as I liked uh, Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly, yeah. Ryan Kelly, uh, Carlos Danda. As much as I liked their work on Dark Horse's Star Wars book, no one looked like the actors. Mm-hmm. But this gives me a lot of hope. I've never read a Jason Aaron book. It gives him a new hope. Oh. oh, there you go. Uh, You've never read a Jason Aaron book? No, but Jason Aaron gets a lot of hype, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with this book. Jason. Um, Dodson's always do great work, at least for five issues before they flame out. Uh, and you know, Mark Way is a, a modern legend in the business, so I think they've, they've got some really good talent. This could be going in some 
some really cool places. I won't be getting the Darth Vader book. That doesn't interest me. But Princess Leia and the regular Star Wars title could be pretty cool. Yeah, all three of those things are from the time period that you like as well, so maybe that has something to do. There's no... Yeah, what's the setting? I, I don't know, but um, I mean it... Same as the Dark Horse Star Wars title between A New Hope and Empire. So, just so we're clear, the, the Dark Horse Star Wars title is now considered Star Wars Legends. Whereas the new titles that they just announced are going to be... Legends. Con- they're Legends. Yeah, they already announced that they will also be Legends. Oh, they're not in continuity. Interesting. No. So is that just them just trying to get some Star Wars titles out? Oh, yeah, it's more of making money on the Star Wars brand. Right, but yeah, it, it's and not them actually actively trying to put things in place. Oh. They're like, just, just make, some bo- make some books, we'll call them Legends, you do whatever you want to do with these, we just want to get some Star Wars books out. Yeah. And the Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars comics that are coming out, they come out January, like, January 2015, which is the month that the license switches over. They're not going to miss a beat. They're, like, right there, Johnny, on the spot with their new books. Because they know that's a license to print money. They knew that all of us are going to go get those books, and there's millions of people out there like us. What I'm really interested in, Marvel announced a Star Wars omnibus of the original Marvel run that has a, a new illustrated cover... And it collects the entire run, 120-some issues, in one volume, which I ordinarily hate that shit because they're almost impossible to read because they're so cumbersome. But, I don't know, I I have a feeling it'll look pretty damn cool on a shelf. So Paul's showing us some some, uh, John Cassidy, is that his name John? John. John Cassidy artwork of Han Solo walking with with a swagger. I would say. There's swagger. With an R2 unit behind him and some other people that sort of look like Lando from Return of the Jedi. You can see the sarcasm just dripping off of him. Yeah, it's it's rather Harrison Ford-like. And that is John Cassidy's strength, nailing those likenesses. are you not interested in these? Are you a little more skeptical? Uh, No, I'm not really skeptical, um, but I'm not kind of like... Jumping out of my skin with excitement at the same time. I'm not either, but I'm a little jazzed. Yeah, a, li- a little jazzed. I mean, let's put it this way. All three of those titles, I will buy them. I'm going to check them out. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're moving on from... I think a lot of the Dark Horse Star Wars stuff was kind of boring. Like, there was too much exploration of um, the, the, old, the Knights of the Old Republic, which... It's kind of funny on one hand because they're the guys that started that whole era at Dark Horse. The Knights of the Old, the, with the Tales of the Jedi series. Paul, this is before you even got into comics. Sharply, do you remember that? I was there for that, yeah. I've been in comics for a long time. And no, I'm serious. Like, this was in the early 90s. I remember then, them getting the, the Dark Empire and doing that. It, whole it, was, thing. it was right after Dark Empire, and they explored the. the one or two thousand years before the events in the movies. I remember that coming out. I didn't get it. Okay. I just got Dark Empire. Okay. Um, well, the, for me, it was one of my favorite Star Wars comics ever. And it, it, it had a character called Ulick or Ulick. U-L-I-C. I don't know. 
uh, Keldroma, and he eventually became a fallen Jedi, he turned to the dark side. But um, it was it was really cool the way that it was illustrated because it had this ancient feel to a universe that you were super familiar with. But then the the video game company um, BioWare got a hold of the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic line, and they sort of revamped the way that we look at the Knights of the Old Republic era, one or two thousand years before the movies, and everything had this, like, it almost looked like it blended right in with the movies, and it didn't yeah. feel like there was any kind of uh, time gap between them. And I always felt like that was so wrong, considering how well Tales of the Jedi portrayed the ancient universe of Star Wars. And that always fucking pissed me off. So then, once that was established in those video games, I feel like Dark Horse like kind of ran with that. Because they were extremely popular and, Yeah, video they games. were. And I, I hated that because oh, I had a, like a preference for a reason, you know, with the old stuff. And so what I'm getting at is I'm kind of glad that Dark Horse isn't going to be screwing around with that stuff anymore. On the other hand, it makes me sad because my entire comic book collecting life Dark Horse has been the steward of Star Wars. And it's kind of sad to see it go. I know, I realize it started with Marvel, but that was before I could even read, let alone buy comic books. Do you have any of those old Marvel comics, Star Wars books? I do. I, I think I own the first three. I just bought them recently in a collection um, within the last year or so. Um, it was one of those. You could. I think it might have come from Woolworths. Remember that store? Nice. And it came in those like uh, plastic bags where they collected three issues in it, and that's what it is. I'm familiar with that format. It started out with comic books for me, and then it progressed to more mature reading materials. Where you really couldn't even see the titles that were on the outside. It no, was you, just a black bag. You, could, you got to the middle. I'd always, I'd always look for. Busty beauties on side one and jugs on side two. And you get in the middle and you're like, leg sex? Nobody gives a fuck. (laughs) That's where that package like pantyhose fuckers. They put it in the middle of the good stuff. So Matt, Dark Horse. Yeah, Dark Horse. So I have a couple of those really, I have a couple of the Marvel old Star Wars books. And I flipped through them recently and they don't look anything like Star Wars. I haven't read them, but just just the artwork doesn't have the tone or the spirit or any of the charisma that comes from the movies. It looks like something totally alien. Except for the, the comics that are doing the adaptations of the, the films. Yeah, that's a lot different. As soon as they deviate different. into their own world, their own realm, shit gets lost. And, and that won't be the case with the new Marvel stuff. That's just a sign of the times. But, you know, the Dark Horse stuff was very consistent with the look and feel of Star Wars. I just personally don't like that they adopted the Bioware uh, sensibilities of the Knights of the Old Republic era. And for some reason, that has become so immensely popular. Whereas to me, it was so much more interesting and so much better and unique and accurate when it was the Tales of the Jedi stuff, which predates Knights of the Old Republic by probably, almost, probably ten years. The only modern Star Wars books I've read, and when I say modern, I mean from 
like 91, 90, 91, up until now, is this recent Brian Wood series. And it didn't do a lot for me. Like, there were some story beats that I thought were amazing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the execution lived up to the idea. So, after generally being let down by that book, I'm like, all right, let's see what, what Marvel can do with this. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for a little change. So that was Comic-Con. Yeah, overall, not not a whole lot going on. So... I, did they did they do this every year? I feel like this is two years in a row. It's, like, it's at least two years in a row. They have not and much then I'm happened. like, eh, what? Nothing. Not since I think the Avengers panel of like twelve. Like I said at the beginning of uh, the year when we did our kind of like 2014 preview, I'm not real excited about 2014. Now I've been proven to be quite wrong because I think 2014 has been pretty cool so far, but. The, you know, let's face it, the, the excitement is still going to be next year between Avengers and, and well, Batman v Superman got pushed, but we're going to see shit for it. And then obviously, capping the year with uh, Star Wars, it's just going to be the year. So I think next year's Comic Con, the floodgates are going to open. Oh, but don't you think it's a little too close for them to release anything? All that impactful, like months before. Oh, the you're right. Because Avengers two will have been out. Yeah, right? I mean, like, and Star Wars will be out. coming out. And this is and this is where I you think you might be right. Yeah, Tom at the comic shop made a great point. When what I was comic shop? At Phantom of the Attic in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, I was talking with Tom about the lack of the lack of news coming out. And he said, "Well, you know, you know, a lot of companies want their own headlines. You know, Marvel released stuff a couple weeks before because they want to own." their own news. They don't want any competition. They want to come out and really own the own the limelight. So I expect now that, you know, Disney and Marvel are That's all true. in with each other, I expect Marvel to keep blasting stuff out on The View and The Colbert Report, and, and they're going to get their own big headlines between now and when... But what's weird was out. other companies didn't really capitalize on the lack of news from Warner Brothers and Marvel DC... Um, I think Legendary Pictures was supposed to have some secret project that they were coming out with, and it turned out to be like Monster Island, a King Something Kong that no one sequel. Gave a shit about. And was Peter Jackson even doing that? I don't know if he's even doing it. So that seemed like well, that was kind of seems to be paving the way a little bit for a King Kong versus Godzilla showdown. Which, which would that be, would be cool, they but like, they yeah. didn't really. I mean, that's. That's super duper speculation. Like they didn't really say it, if right. that's gonna. And even then, we'd have to wait for Godzilla two and then have the sequel, and that's a, a, long a, a lot of years away. Meh. Call me when there's a giant wolf man to fight with them. <laughs> well, you would think like. Age. Uh, I think I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast about how Universal is trying to start their own cinematic universe using the, un- the classic Universal monsters. There was no announcement anywhere like that at Comic-Con, Fox. um, Well, Showtime's Penny Dreadful is doing that the right way, using the classic Universal Monsters. That's cool. That first season, uh, I think it was only ten episodes, but holy shit, was that good. There's an episode in the middle of the season that flips everything on its head, and it's like it reboots the entire season. You see everything from a brand new perspective and it was brilliant the way they wrote that I'm going to have to check that out you've been hyping it up a lot so it was way better than I expected it to be still I don't get Showtime so I'm going to have to wait for it to come out on DVD 
DVD, but it sounds like a pretty quality uh, show. Fox didn't really do anything until until Sunday when they leaked the Deadpool footage. Uh, it's test footage. It's not going to happen at all. And that was probably one of the bigger stories from Comic-Con was uh, at some point they had a uh, CGI company did a test of the Deadpool using Ryan Reynolds' voice, and it was actually pretty good. I'm not a big Deadpool fan or anything like that, but it seemed like it was true to the character. It was funny, too. I laughed out loud a bunch during the um, the little trailer. So if it's still online, I think, Dom, you said you can still yeah, see it. They've been available. pulling it from certain sites. But yeah, go but check the out the Deadpool did, like, The CGI company actually released like, a final, like an official trailerish kind of thing. Like there was a lot of lot of violence, but it was all implied, so you can probably get away with having a really violent Deadpool movie that still is yeah, a you, PG yeah, thirteen. I think you really could pull that off. And even still this whole this whole past week, um Liefeld's been tweeting a lot about this Daredevil because from, from, from the Deadpool From what I understand, he is one of the few creators that that worked for Marvel, that somehow he worked out a deal that he gets some part of the cut of a Deadpool movie if it happens. Yeah, he's in on he's He'd be like the EP for whatever the movie came out. And if if Fox is looking for another franchise or to expand their universe, this would be the way to do it, that you didn't necessarily have to tie it into X-Men because it could stand alone, but eventually you could tie it back into that X-Men yeah, easily. Wolverine universe. So I kind of think that they kind of missed the boat on not getting behind this and releasing it officially and kind of have that to announce to Comic-Con. Yeah, it's, it was it was really good. It was spot on. A lot of humor. Like, humor's in it. I think it's... With as popular as he is now, you got like Joker's daughter, you got Harley. Deadpool is the next new wave of that intro to comic character that people like because of the anti-hero or just the merc with a mouth. What, so the what is Deadpool? He's a he's like Deathstroke, but he's, he's a jokester. He yeah, I mean basically he's. Um, a he's part of the Weapon X program, like Wolverine. They experimented on him, and his shtick is that ultra violence with all this humor and sarcasm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't even know if they would have to do a live action thing. Like the CG test footage looked pretty damn good. Well, was, so I think they could go with it. CG test footage reminds me of the CG stuff that they released for the Goon. The, and I've not, I've read a couple Goon comics. I wasn't I wasn't really yeah. interested. But that CG footage was really that good. Proposed movie was really fucking cool. I really liked that CG I was that Goon trailer. That. I was one hundred percent ready to go see that movie. So what the fuck happened? I don't I don't think anyone was ever into it. Oh, just me and you and Dom and Dom. Yeah, the uh, the three of us and probably Eric Powell because he he knew we had paychecks coming from it. Yeah. So one other thing that. Uh, happened this past weekend was Guardians of the Galaxy exploding box office expectations. Yes. Okay, taking the number one spot over Born Identity. Yes. Born Ultimatum. Born Ultimatum. Ultimatum had the old record of 67. Well, I didn't think Guardians of the Galaxy was going to shatter any records, but what, it did 94 million the first yeah. week? For this first weekend? 
Third biggest opening of the year. It's huge. Behind Cap. Fucking Cap and Transformers. Cap and Transformers. Garbage ass fucking piece of shit Transformers. Before before I read the article, I saw that Guardians opened in the top top three, and I was like, "Well, who the fuck were the other two? Had to be Cap and Days of Future Past." Transformers. Days of Future Past was not a good opening. Transformers has that? Did that fall off like super significantly after the first week? I don't. I don't know. I think it kept going. Like I went to see it in the second week. Because Transformers came out. There was nothing after Transformers weekend. July so had, was dead. It, it had was, a back-to-back that's weekend. That's part of the reason why Guardians did so well. Because there, there hasn't nothing. been shit for so long. People want to go to the movies. It's still the summertime. It went up against Get On Up, the James Brown biopic, that was 13.6 mil. I mean, that's not that's no, not even the same j- j- like realm of yeah, what, what Guardians what did. Lucy. That's right. With 18. I want to see Lucy. That looks pretty good. Looks all right. It looks cool. I heard that what you see in the tra- in the trailer is only a fraction of what the actual movie's about. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we all saw Guardians. I don't remember what each of our excitement and expectations were for it. But Dom, why don't you lead us off? What What's your final number for it, and did it meet your expectations? Uh. It did better than my expectations. Woo! And I'm going to go... Actual viewing, couple point swing. Actual viewing, couple point swing. I am throwing this out there now. It gets a nine. Whoa! It gets a nine. Holy shit! We like to call that Dark World territory. (laughs) Yes. Guardians of the Dark World was amazing. We like to call that someone's been possessed by the ether. (laughs) The fucking nine? I I really I really enjoyed it, and the few little gripes that I have about it don't sway my vote at all. At one point, it, it did. I was like, I after I heard Groot say, "We are Groot," I immediately wanted to give it one letter grade lower. You guys are but silly. That, that was a punishment. A that touching was a punishment moment. Of the movie. It doesn't matter. When your character is invented to only say three words, you can't learn two more words. It was a heartfelt moment. Whenever you go through trials and tribulations of war, and you fall in love with your teammates like Groot did, you learn a couple. couple yeah, he's, they're worth learning two. Like, they're worth it was, doubling your vocabulary. I liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was it was a really great... Well, then I can't wait till I find a group of guardians that I can hang out with so I can increase my... So, if only you only said three words. I know. (laughs) So, Ian, a nine? I don't give it a nine. I give it an eight. But, man, I I enjoyed the shit out of it. I thought it was really good. Probably the most fun movie that I've gone to this summer. I had a lot of fun. So, I give it an eight. An eight. Eight. High praise. High praise from the McSauce Movie Review Board. Eights and a nine? And I don't think I don't think Dom's crazy for giving it a nine. It was a great movie. It might when this summer is said and done, we still have one more big movie on the horizon, but I it's gonna be tough for Turtles to topple Guardians for me. I feel like you can you can get away with giving a movie an eight. 
after one viewing. But if you're going to step into tar- to Dark World territory, <laughs> you got to see it a second time. That's true. Or, my- or it has to completely blow you away. It has it, to be which I life-altering. You gotta. This is the first original Marvel movie since the Avengers. Everything else they put out since has been nothing but a sequel. This is very much outside of their norm. So you got they're going out on a limb by doing this space epic by making it by putting your lead is the dumb guy from Parks and Recreation. You got a professional wrestler in your top three. Bradley, two CG characters. Brad, yeah, two CG characters. You got Bradley Cooper playing this hard ass raccoon, and you've only seen him in rom coms and the Hangover movies. And then you've got Vin Diesel. They went completely outside the box. They went. They went with comedy and a soundtrack, and I honestly think they nailed it. Paul, yeah. do you have a score for it? Um, I'm, I guess I'd have to give it an 8. Now, you're our resident Guardians of the Galaxy aficionado. Big fan of the comic, the original comic book series. Probably the most critical eye, and you still give it an 8? Like, just like me and Matt? I want to I wanna give it a 7.5. But, but you can't, because this is the McSauce rating we system. We do round numbers. And I don't, I don't want to give it a seven. I don't think it's deserving of a seven. So, yeah, because it, it, I just gave Big Trouble in Little China a seven. Mm-hmm. So I think I would be slighting Guardians of the Galaxy by giving it a seven. Also, I give Big Trouble in Little China a nine. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's sipping the ether. Uh. But yeah. Um, the there wasn't anything anything that I saw once I finally watched it that I could take points away from. All the problems that I had with it were problems I had going into it that I, I already knew about or I was already prepared for. Like what? Like the castration of the Novacore. The Novacore are essentially they're the Green Lanterns of the Marvel Universe. They all get power from their helmets instead of their rings. They all draw from one power source, which is Nova Prime. Um, you know, they fly around independently. They can do independent space travel. They don't need spaceships. You know, they could all, if they wanted to, form their own human net using the Nova Force. Now, I've been thinking about this for a while. They didn't. They didn't. They refer to these soldiers, these this Nova Corps, as something a little bit different than the Centurion Nova Corps that you're talking about. Didn't they call them something different? They had a different name. I thought they did. I um, didn't catch that. I didn't catch that either. I just heard Nova Corps and Nova officers and um, John C. Riley. But the way, but the way the Nova, the Nova Corps that you're talking about, those characters, they in the comic books are referred to as Nova, Nova. Centur- Centurions. So Wikipedia is yeah, lying to me. Yeah, but the, yeah, they're Nova Centurions, but they're also Novas. There's no distinction in in rank. So don't you think that the only differential in rank is 
Prime. Nova and, Prime and Nova's. This is pure spe- speculation, but don't you think that because, you know, spoilers, they don't really hold up as a, uh, as a force to defend that home world, don't you think that maybe after this attack, maybe they'll try to figure something out and make a bigger, better Nova, and that's where we'll get the version that you like? Maybe, and that's a good that's a that's a good way to hope for it. Stormtroopers, um, yeah. stormtroopers, I mean, I'm just, biker troopers are all yeah, and it's, stormtroopers. And, 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 that, but and, just, and that line of thinking, a buddy of mine said, "Well, you know, maybe the ones that we saw were just like Nova officers. They weren't the actual Novas. Maybe Nova could fly because around they were like, on out in the galaxy much. patrolling. Like, but at the same time, you know, the Black Aster Ronin ship is coming to wipe out a planet." That's pretty A list stuff to bring in all of the all of the Novas but maybe from the universe to solve that threat. To my point, maybe that's the event that says we need some better things. We don't we can't rely on these these ships. We need to draw from another source of power. Yeah, and if I mean and if that's the way they go, fine. Death. But I think that's quite a bit of rationalization. That's me writing the next Guardians movie. Are we is right. the, is there not rationalization in Shield has been compromised, and it's Hydra. Where's Tony Stark in Winter Soldier? He was busy. Where's Thor? Where's Hulk? It, it's going. It's, it's all still rationalization. It's just kind of a different point of view on certain things now. Yeah, but like this is changing the entire way the character has been written through yeah. the entire career of the comic books, and now they really are space cops. Yeah, they need you know police cruisers. For as cool as they were, like I love the design of the ship. They would they use the Nova Star, the way the ships opened up to the full star to connect to each other. Like there was a lot of things I the, liked about it. The the vibe of flying around in spaceships, which is what was happening. It fit along with the Guardians and all that. So I thought it was all right. It it, it made sense. It, I think it would maybe be strange if they had superheroes flying around in that environment when we're so into the sci-fi angle of it. I don't think it would have been that big of a stretch. You already have Peter Quill flying around in space by himself or in the air by himself at times. Yeah, but he I don't more think of it's like a, a dude that had some cool gadgets. Yeah, and both that's what the Nova helmet is. It's a cool gadget that gives them the power to fly around independently. Yeah, but they have much more of a superhero kind of vibe to them than and I think that that's what that's a decision. They're trying to stray away from that purposefully in this movie because they wanted to make it a sci-fi movie. Yeah, but I mean, I don't it think still it really. I don't think it was too much a sci-fi movie. I, no? I feel like it was more like space fantasy than sci-fi. Okay, uh, isn't space fantasy? We're fucking splitting hairs. Space <laughs> fantasy and sci-fi. Are you really going to fight me on that? <laughs> yeah, sci-fi is like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Sci-fi is like, twi- like Twilight Zone shit. Huh? Huh? What's Space what is ba- Sci- What's Battlestar Galactica? That's sci-fi bullshit. Uh, uh, we're not going to have... <laughs> we're going to keep this nice. So. And, like, and I gave it a fucking eight. I know, I, I'm I not like, fighting you. But I want, I want the Novas that I like. I, I get what you're saying, and I understand. It's and one of your I favorite under- heroes. I understand if... Nova, if one Nova exists the way I want him to, that that castrates the Guardians of the Galaxy. Because then we don't need them, 
Richard Ryder, Richard Ryder can go take on Rowan and himself. Maybe, and save the day. but maybe Richard Ryder doesn't exist yet. You know what I mean? That's what yeah, I'm saying. That's, that's what would make that, sense. And that's what I'm saying. This movie, the way it was written, Peter Quill and the Guardians need to be the heroes. Well, if we bring in Nova, if we bring in um, that guy with a big blue mohawk, Gladiator. Gladiator. If we bring Gladiator, if we bring in Silver Surfer. If we bring in all these A power set Marvel characters, then that's going to make the characters we're supposed to be focusing on pointless. So yeah, they can't do that. And I understand the decision, but I would have liked them to have found a way to make the Novas a little more like the comic book version than they were. Matt, did you have anything that you didn't like about the movie? Yeah, I did. Um... And it's going to come across as if I hated this movie. But and, and by the way, fans at home that are going to come up to us and yell at us, we loved this movie. We gave it eights and nines. We're just saying for the record. Eights and nine. Nine. So we liked it. We're just nitpicking right now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my biggest issue with it is probably like every Marvel movie that there is uh, since, since like, the I know, X-Men. I know where you're going with this. And Wait, since what X-Men? Uh, like, the first couple. and then I'm interested, because I think you may be going somewhere different than I thought. He, yeah, he just changed it on me. And, and the uh, first couple Spider-Man movies. The, the villain is underdeveloped and um, doesn't get enough uh, screen time, doesn't get enough development and uh, I would apply that criticism to most Marvel movies like compare it like think about how much screen time and development the Joker gets in the Dark Knight and then compare that to what Ronan gets in this movie it's not even fucking close and that's a total miss on the part of this movie Ronan is a cool character and he's scary and he can do some amazing things and yet we barely see it. It's Ronan, barely touched on. in my favorite, Dan Abnett, Andy, Andy Lanning run of Guardians and all the sequential cosmic stories they did, winds up fighting with the Guardians a good bit of the time. Like, Ronan has a lot of layers to him. He's a very gray character. Yeah. But in this movie, he's one note bad guy. Yeah, you barely see his motivations in this. There's a sequence early on where he gets his face painted and, and the treaty is... is um, broken with um, Xandar. Xandar, and I don't really even understand why, except that he never was in favor of the treaty. Yeah, Mar- and, and Mar- that was it. The you know the powers that be from the Kree and Xandar make the treaty, and they're fine with it. But the entire time, Ronan is this you know third party. He's you know this rebel of the Kree that's. Just doing whatever he wants. He's Mar- like the Taliban of the creek. Marvel right. movies are great at telling you why the bad guy is bad and why you should be afraid of him, but you never see any of it. Malekith and Thor the Dark World suffers from the same problem. Mm-hmm. You could interchange those two. Mandarin exactly. is sort of the same way. Because you, you Malekith was like, oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> I gotta get him. And that was it. <laughs> like, you know, I, they're, they're just interchangeable. We even... Um, you know, the Chitauri in the Avengers film, Yeah, they're just kind of, they're just bad guys. Why are they bad guys? Well, because they're taking over the world. Because there has to be one. Yeah, so Ronan, 
when he was on screen, he was he had a powerful voice and he could have been really scary. But I'm with you, Matt. I didn't know and Matt, why and he Matt was makes scary. An excellent point. You look at Magneto, Striker, uh, Green Goblin, and um, Doctor Octopus. Doctor Octopus. I mean, those are all some pretty deep villains. <coughs> And you really and you're afraid of, of them. You see why, what happened to them with in Magneto's case. You know everything about him and why he does what he does in that first scene in the concentration camp. And a point that I'd like to make about the four villains that you just said, Paul. None of those movies were Marvel movies. They were 20th Century Fox joints. And Sony. And, and Sony. And with... All the Marvel films, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Avengers, and now Guardians, none of the villains in any of those, as good as Loki was in, in um, he was pretty cool in Thor of the Dark World, but he really wasn't the main villain. He was, yeah. he was, he was good in the first Thor. I mean, he's probably the one that's the closest closest. to a fully realized, fleshed out villain. Because you know why he's mad. Because we've also seen him for three movies now. Right. He's had a chance. But even in the first one, you got why Loki was was mad and what he was doing, his intentions. You could see why he was doing what he was doing. But that character still doesn't feel as fleshed out as, like, Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man, to me. Or even compare him to... Compare... The villains in the Marvel movies to the villains in any of like the the three Nolan Batman movies, or or even um, Man of Steel. I'd like, say that God was m- more well developed than those he, characters. Yeah, like Bane was a little bit weak. Bane would fit right into the Marvel universe and like his motivation. Because because Bane almost. is Bane is the Ronin of Nolan's Batman trilogy. He's a pawn for Thanos. Because Ronin's uh, a pawn for Thanos, like. Bane was a pawn for Talia. Talia. Slash but even Talia was kind of thin, too, as a villain. Yeah. Uh, so that was my biggest gripe with the movie. If, if I'm going to get a little more nitpicky than that... Uh, Gamora's makeup, right? Because uh, that's my number two. No, I'm not quite going there. Um, I did not like the... Cause I had read a review on IGN that said that this movie had a fantastic soundtrack, and I was like, fucking hey, man. Finally, a good musical score. And that that's idea of a soundtrack is different than our idea of a soundtrack. Right. My idea of the soundtrack is going back to those, like, the era of really fucking good soundtracks that, that when you hear it, you know exactly the movie that you're hearing. Now, if I played for you the Guardians of the Galaxy score... Ooga Chaka, like, Ooga. No, 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 not that shit. The score, you'd be like... Is that from, like, the new X-Men, or what? Is that from Avengers? You wouldn't know. There's nothing distinct about it, and it was just as bland as any of those well, the, movies. the score wasn't the main focus of the music for the movie. The right. 70s soundtrack was. Right, you're right. Which is, you know, a, a, an unusual step for a movie of this, like, uh, kind of stature, this magnitude, usually... Uh, movies like this have that classical soundtrack. But, but they tied it into the theme of the, the plot of the right. movie, and which was smart and made sense. It was smart and made sense, and I was perfectly fine with it. But they still did have a musical score, which was more prominent most of the time than the soundtrack. Uh, and that score was forgettable. So that sucks. Well, you're, you're particularly sensitive to the score. 
Yeah. And a lot of the times I think, well, you know what, maybe if I saw this movie when I was eight, a lot more of the actual score would, would resonate with me. But at the same time, the Harry Potter score resonates with me big time, and I was, you know, well into my 20s. Because when I was they out. have distinct themes that, that have distinct melodies that are unique, and they instantly, like, are, are like fused with what you see on the screen. <laughs> Again, a criticism for all Marvel movies. None of those movies have that. None of them. That's why, like, I'm not going to give any of these movies until that shit gets, re- like, rectified a 9 or a 10. It's possible. But with movies with weak scores pulling in $94 million in their first weekend. Well, they're more interested in, in getting $94 million its first weekend than me giving it a fucking 9. <laughs> well, I, I acknowledge that. <laughs> well, I think the, the main point here is that Marvel knows how to make a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And... This movie, I think, proved that they can step outside of their comfort zone a little bit. This was a little bit different than the things that they did um, in the past. Sure, it had the base of, this is a funny movie. I don't know. I feel like Kevin Feige just learned that Matt gave this movie an 8 and fired the entire production team. Like, the Age of Ultron is going to have an awesome score. I can't wait for the John Williams. If they like, if they announce John Williams is scoring Avengers two, I'm just I'll the, be so excited. The first time we see Iron Man in Avengers two, you're gonna hear da da na 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 na. na. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then um, a couple other little criticisms. I thought that Nebula was kind of weak. Um, particularly, I loved Nebula. Particularly the actress, she couldn't have been more bland. Like her delivery was almost as if somebody was holding the fucking cue card up right in front of her face, and she was just reading it. See, is I that, liked it because is, I thought it was so weird that it made sense for who that character. I figured is. that was probably just sort of her race of being. It was just kind of because they perhaps, all, but she seemed like a zombie. But at like, the same time, the, the thing that she called her dad. Killed everyone on her entire planet and raised her as an assassin. Right. So you're kind of not going to. That's what. I, that's what I liked about Nebula is that she was so, she was so alien. She even even like the way she moved her her body movements, the way she walked, everything about Karen Gillan's performance was weird. And it was I was like walking the line. I'm like, is this is this bad? Or do I really fucking dig this? And I think it leaned to I really fucking dig this. I loved whenever she came in at the very end when they're walking through the they're they're trying to hunt down Ronan and she's standing in the way and she gives a little bit of a, a big speech there and she just gets fucking blown away yeah. by Drax and that is like canon. Because she, you know, she was just like disposable, like they just the wiped opposite, her away. She's the opposite counterpart to Gamora, who is normal and warm and talks like a human and acts like a human and everyone can relate to Gamora and everybody wants to fuck her because she's sexy. But Nebula is just the opposite counterpart. She's bald. She's weird. She has all these quick movements. She has just black irises. Her speech patterns are different. And, like, I really liked it. I thought it was a cool it was a cool way to separate those I two. think I'm with you except for the speech patterns. I don't feel like that was a character uh, 
like design element. I feel like it was just shitty acting. But um, the I I also didn't like that she was bald. But the Gamora that or the um, the Nebula that I know is from the Infinity Gauntlet, and she had long black hair. And I kind of wanted her to have long black hair. Well, to help your argument. I always want everyone to have long black hair. <laughs> uh, now, getting on the Infinity Gauntlet to my nitpicky thing, um, can we please figure out what the fucking Infinity Gems do in these movies? Because it seems like they bounce around a little bit. In Avengers, Tesseract and Loki Pokey Stick can travel through so, space so, but also change minds. So what color what color is the ether? Red? The ether's red. red. So the Tesseract and the Ether can kinda do some stuff. But the purple, Same with the purple, the purple can kinda do some stuff. The purple too. one can annihilate a galaxy. Like so the, really all you need is the purple. purple. Like the purple one would shed your skin off if you right. touched it. So why are we even bothering with like what more is the purple one going to do? Like, with the red and the blue one. Yeah, like, doesn't it feel like they're all just, like, you just can shoot things with all these <laughs> gems? Like, couldn't we be more specific? I feel like... It's got to fit your... It's got to fit your specific bad guy weapon. Loki Pokey But it can still do something specific, like, I don't know the fucking source material. I feel like the ether is a lemon head. The Tesseract is a... Is red a, hot. Is a red hot... And the fucking purple one is a ghost pepper. <laughs> and there it's just out of the other one's league. Yeah. It does feel that way. And if it can do all that shit, how do they just they keep it in that little fucking bowl? That's it. So long as no organic matter is It's like it can fire. either hold an infinity Maybe. gem or a troll doll. That's the <laughs> use of this. Like, what the hell? So I mean if I'm going to be upset about anything. It's the lack of explanation in all these Marvel movies to what the Infinity Gems are going to do. I think that it would have made each individual movie a little bit cooler if you explained, like, all right, the Tesseract can... It's the Space Gem. And, and you actually put the name on it, because that's what these things are. And the purple one is the Power Gem, or whatever also, the hell it is. Is this the first movie where they actually call them Infinity Stones? Yes. As yeah. far as I know, yeah. Yeah. If they said any... No, they said it... At the end of Thor The Dark World. Oh, when the with collector. the collector. Because yeah. they said, we have the Tesseract. It's too close to keep Infinity Gems together. But the... But then we go and... But and the take, ether is... The ether's missed. But it's also an Infinity Gem somehow. It is, because it's featured in Guardians. They have they're like, this one, it's Tesseract, and behind it is the ether. So how many more movies do we have to squeeze in three more Infinity well, items? Well, we have... Age of Ultron, which I bet isn't going to deal with any kind of Infinity Gem at all. Guardians 2. Guardians 2 will have something. Doctor, I would Str- Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange I would imagine, will have the Soul Gem or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Soul Gem. All right. Yeah, Doctor Strange so, has to have one. We what? need the Time Gem. So maybe that's Age of Ultron because from what I heard about the leaked footage was that there is a moment where... Tony Stark is is his his suits all destroyed and he's laying and and crying with a pile of fallen Avengers around him or something like that. Maybe that's a, a glimpse into time, or maybe he can reverse time. 
super big gigantic guess that I just did there. But may, maybe maybe that's something that would be in Avengers two. Is that the is that the duex machina you want at the end of Avengers? It's just 2? A, it's just Tony's a, like oh I got it. It's just a big the entire <laughs> movie you've just seen is pointless. How pissed would everybody be if they did that? Oh. But I, I'd say that Avengers probably isn't going to have a gem. But you need the soul gem, the time gem. I'm guessing that the space one was the Tesseract. I love the soul gem. The I'm, James Brown gem. I'm guessing that the mind the was, the, was the ether. The Peebo Bryson gem. <laughs> we need reality and power then as well. So a couple more movies. Got a few years to make all the gems happen. One other thing that I kind of was slightly bothered by... Oh, you're such a hater. Haters gotta hate. ...was when uh, Peter Quill goes out into space and he takes his mask off. And we already talked the mask to death in a previous episode. We don't like that. Frankly, the effects on that mask when it did that didn't look that good to me. I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind the look of, the, of Peter Quill's mask. No, like when it would when, like vanish. Yes, yeah, I, did, I didn't did, mind that. Really, it it was a it, it seemed like a pretty smooth transition between I'm the hero and I have to wear a mask or it's time for my face to be seen on camera. I'm a super big movie star. <clears throat> yeah, in Technic- a blockbuster film. Technically, the way the effect was built, fine. Writers cheat, absolutely. Well, well, well. Once he gets here, what's he gonna do with that big bulky helmet? Oh, I don't know. Just make it nanotech that wraps up behind behind his ear. Yeah, that's great. Go with that. You fucking lazy fucks. Write a fucking helmet. It's a big helmet. Well, anyway, what I was getting at, when he goes into space and he takes the, the helmet off and he puts it on Gamora, um, and his his skin starts to peel away. And he died instantly. Yeah, he, number one, his eyeball should have been sucked out of his head, and he should have died immediately. Well, so should you give more before he had that chance. Yeah, that too. she's been, but her body has yeah. been augmented with all this shit. So, right. but then, you know, the um, the ship picks them up and tractor beams them in, and the, their skin is perfectly clear. Yeah, like, that's the problem. I, I had that problem, too, and I let it go, but when it happened, I was like, what the Fuck! Yeah, yeah like, I thought half like, of their skin was coming off. I thought well, they were going to get put into, like, a regeneration chamber or yeah. something like that, but they were totally fine. Civilians don't learn until the end of the movie that Peter Quill is half alien. So at that point, when he's not instantly having his eyeballs sucked out, I'm like, okay, he's half Spartax. I get it. That's, that's okay. But yeah, as soon as they get back in and they close the door... His sclera are all white again. His complexion's perfect. I'm like, no, you two should still be fucked. Yeah, you should oh. have some after effects showing. Yeah, you can still make your make your jokes and rub your junk on her a little bit, but, I mean, your shit should be fucked up. Yeah. Now, we gave this movie pretty high praise, and we just trashed it for about 20 minutes with our dislikes. What kind of things did we like about this movie? Dom, what was your favorite thing about Guardians of the Galaxy? What takes it to a nine? Group. 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 The, the, you the, mean Swamp Thing. He sure. totally was Swamp Thing. That's what I was thinking. Oh, before we get to the good stuff, just a little disappointment on my part. Oh, come on. He didn't have a chance yet. Um, no, I used the whole Nova castration oh, of the Nova right, 
Um, what I am disappointed about is that now, if DC tries to do Dark Side, <clears throat> Thanos, or Swamp Thing, <clears throat> Groot, the civilians are going to be like, oh, they're fucking fighters. Marvel already did that. But then they would be biters because they've had all this time to get their shit out there. And what did they do? They made a Superman movie. Yeah, I know. So, but the whole and time I was I watching, talk shit on DC all the time because they can't get their shit together. But this shit could be done because everything Groot does in this movie is nothing he can do in the comic books. It but was very sudden, swamp thingy. The writers are like, hmm, what other plant based? The character do we know can do all this we stuff? We know. Man-Thing. Man-Thing. Let's go do it. Let's go make this guy Swamp Thing. And, and all of a sudden they do it. And I'm like, motherfuck DC, you're killing me. You have all this fucking good shit. And let- Back home, just fuck, fucking put it out there. And Marvel's like, fuck you guys, we got you again. That's what I like about Marvel. So, yeah, Groot. Go ahead, Tom. Um, for being CGI, his facial expressions... Were were amazing. Even though he was stuck to saying "I am Groot," and Rocket did all the translating and just interpreted whatever he was saying. The scene where I think they finally get on planet, and Drax goes to like the the rat rat fighting, and then whenever Groot sees that like the animals die, his terrified facial expression and. Realizing, I can't remember who was talking about. I can't remember who was. But Rocket said they're dead. Just you need to get over that. Yeah. And then the look of fear of how dare you that, that just Groot <laughs> had on his face. And just, you know, I was like the CG Groot and Rocket. Rocket looked fantastic every scene he was in, and I did not hear Bradley Cooper at all. Before we get too deep into all the good stuff. Another thing that you hate. don't like? The movie I hated so much, I gave an 8. No, I just want... Um, <laughs> this is the I, part I where want, the Wixsauce fans are going to hate. Opinion about this. Groot doesn't talk. He says three words were left to Rocket to essentially translate for him the entire time. Yeah. Same way Han Solo had to translate for Chewbacca. Pretty sure that's what they're going for. And C-3PO for R2-D2. Did it... Right. Did it feel... More blatant in Guardians than it did in Star Wars because I, I feel like in Guardians, Groot would say "I am Groot" and Rocket would be like, "Well, of course we need to do this, Groot." But in Star Wars, like the way they wrote Han's dialogue, it was a little more slick that yeah. we would infer more it was from what more Han was on saying. the nose. He wasn't saying what Chewbacca was saying every now and again. Like, it, 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 was, it was a, it was a little on the nose. But I still went with it. I still thought it was cool. It's like, because I think even still in some of the Star Wars, wouldn't Luke be able to kind of understand what Chewie was saying sometimes? Uh, like, no, not not translate, but like, you would like, like, like kind of interpret, like, probably tone of voice or something. Matt, I don't you're know. a resident Star Wars expert. What do you think? I agree with you, Paul. I think that... Uh, the, I think the main reason is because almost everything that Rocket essentially translated for us was a joke. Everything was like a punchline. And that's what they were going for. Right, whereas with Han and Chewie, it's dialogue. So well, there, was, there was even the one line that Rocket says, he's like, he said something about, well, I don't know why you need to pick now to have friends. And I guess it was kind of a punchline, but I didn't, I didn't take it that way. But, like, all of the translations seem to be, like, 
just too much on the nose. I wanted to infer a little more. One, yeah, one, it would seem like a forced translation. One little Groot thing. Uh, at the very end, when Groot decides he's going to turn into a, a ball and protect everyone, and then Rocket said, but you're going to die. I thought, wait, how do you know? Why? How's he going to die? Why? Because he's a ball now. He's going to die. I didn't understand that at all. How that was so obvious to well, Rocket like, that he was going to die. Not not so much that, but Rocket is broken up. Like after they crash land, and Groot is twigs, he's yeah. splinters everywhere. Rocket can barely pull himself together. And I'm like, but you knew this was going to happen. Like you know, you know, Groot can do this. This is one of his powers. And but at the end, you're like, hey, you can regrow Groot. So why wouldn't Groot at some point say? No, no, no. I'm cool. I can. You can regrow me from a stick. You don't need to be all broken up about this. And that's something in the... Because the impact Atlantic. to the audience isn't the same if you say that. Well, because <laughs> they're... That's why, Paul. The translation of we are Groot is panic, I'm going to die. And die. <laughs> I have no argument for either of those. I know it's, it's writing, but based on it, the story but in, and of, of who these characters are, where they come from, what they know of each other. I mean, even in that situation, Rocket's like, but Groot, you're going to die. But Groot maybe should be like, hey, how you can regrow me from any piece of it. There's a bull. They're in a pretty dire situation. Maybe he's not totally sure that Groot can come back from that complete devastation that he goes through. He can come back from he losing his arm. He loses losing, his arm, he says yes. But maybe he's back. not sure. How did he know he was going to die yeah, from that? But then how yeah, would, I mean, I, how would Rocket know he was going to die from that if Groot hadn't been like, yeah, I want to turn into a giant ball, i die. Right. Yeah, no, I get that as well, but that's well, just saying to the audience, this oh, shit is serious, what the ship, get sad. the ship they were on going to blow up? And he just kind of wrapped around them, I'll shield like, you, couldn't, I'll couldn't, sacrifice yeah. myself. Couldn't they just have omitted that line, but you will die, and, and then he dies, and then Rocket's upset. Like, to that, me, it's that could happen, like, yeah. why do we need to know, like, before it happened? Like, just let it fucking happen. Let it play out. Maybe they weren't sure that that, that emotion would translate, or I, or they needed to kick I feel like the emotion that, up or Maybe, something. but I sort of feel like that's a bit of a, an insult to the intelligence of audiences. Which, it seems like that is kind of like the way... And also, maybe, I mean, it's it's not all people our age at that movie. It's kids, too. Maybe you have to be... with PG-13, brother. With the, there, there are kids there. <laughs> they are behind us, kicking our seats. And we gave three eights and a nine to this movie. That, we're, <laughs> that, we're that we destroyed. All right, so let's um, get back to what was, we love. There was a lot more foul language in the movie for it being PG-13. Agreed. Rocket was throwing bombs for sure. all the time, and at the sure same time, Nova calls them a holes. But he doesn't say assholes, and Rocket right. never drops an f bomb. Yeah. But no, he, 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 he almost dropped the f bomb. Swears a lot though in the movie. True. Now, uh, what else did you like, Dom? You like Groot? You like Dom's going to get all the credit for saying good things. Groot, Rock, Groot, Rocket, the CGI. Um, those are the two. Those are the two things that really wowed me. Just the blatant humor, like playing Redbone, come and get your love, and he's dancing, going to get that orb, kicking those little space rats or whatever they are. They went constantly. Every time a song, every time a new song hit, I was already. Fe- I was feeling that the tone of the song. I was feeling where it was at in the movie. I enjoyed the soundtrack, Rocket and Groot. Those were my three. Mm-hmm. 
I like the way that it felt like the movies that we love. You go next. I'm sorry, I didn't know we were going around the table. I just thought Paul had so many negative things. I had to cut him off so that he didn't say any more bad stuff. Go ahead, Paul. No, 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 clockwise. Okay. I was going to say that I liked the the way that it felt like Indiana Jones from the opening scene where he's going to get uh, the the orb that had a real Raiders of the Lost Ark feel to it. It felt like Star Wars at the end with your heroes split up into different factions. There's like sword fight going on here. There's some ground battle shit and some, some aerial attack stuff going on with a big fortress. Felt like the end of A New Hope, or more more so, the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, and I like the way that the Milano's cockpit, their starship, had like an old, worn-out feeling to it. Felt like the Millennium Falcon. So those were the things that I liked. It, it seemed like they were purposely pulling from things that we like, things that we would recognize, and putting them in this movie. Are we, um, <clears throat> are we all in agreement that uh, Peter Quill's ship, the Milano, is named after... Alyssa Milano? I think so. Yes. But does that line up with the timeline where he got... Um, when did Who's the Boss run? Abducted? 88. He was abducted in 88. He was abducted in 88. Who's the Boss aired from 84 to 92. There you go. There you go. It is. So everything they've referenced was right Not on. the Pepperidge Farms delicious cookie. Which those are amazing. A Could different delicious cookie. Oh. Filth. Paul, what did you like about the movie? Um, I <laughs> I was really impressed with Dave Batista. I thought when they first cast him, I was like, "What the fuck are you doing, casting this no acting talent wrestler in a big budget Marvel movie?" But he he hooked it up. I, I I think it had a lot to do with the way they wrote the character of Drax being very literal. He doesn't understand metaphors, which is. Totally different from the comics. But it's a great choice with that actor. Yeah, but if you're using someone with questionable acting ability, it worked out great and I think he did such a good job. Like a lot of a lot of the Drax parts cracked me up. When uh, when Peter Gamora and Drax crash into the Black Aster and they you know, they crash into the side of it and they're just scraping through the the inside hull of the ship. And Drax is laughing his ass off the entire way. He's having such a good time causing all this mayhem and destruction. It's it's so funny. Yeah. And it, that laughter so was contagious light. too in that moment. It was, and I and a, a lot of the, a lot of the Drax scenes, a lot of the the sensitive Drax scenes. Um, you know, like uh, whenever Groot is trying to console him after he gets his ass handed to him by Ronan. Um, you know, when he decides, you know what, you know, you guys are kind of my new family, I'm going with you guys. He did a good enough job that I'm, I want to see Drax go after Thanos now. Because in the books, Drax is always after, after Thanos. Thanos. He's, his purpose for living is to kill Thanos, not Ronan. So the way they twisted that around at the end... Um, I'm in. I'm all in. He needs to get that purple stone. It was seems it? like that stone will give you balls, because as soon as Ronan got it, he was like, I'm coming for you. Not like, I need to get some other things or anything like that. Like, Ronan had nuts, man. Thanos is supposed to be this big, the big bad guy in the Marvel Universe, 
And Ronan's having a meeting with him, blasts his henchmen, is like, what the fuck do you want? I'll be back. Like, Yeah, Ronan, Ronan was... He was pretty decent. You know, like Matt said earlier, like, Ronan was... He came and went a little too soon. Like, he had, had some potential to build on to be like, oh, fuck this guy. Yeah, but they were too busy, I think... Making Thanos somebody was, to worry about and all this other shit in the theater when our all too loud uh, moviegoers behind us they blast they blast Ron and you think all right they got him he's dead and then in like the horror movie turn Ronan gets up and these dudes uh, a row behind us were like oh shit I was like guys you got an all movie. All movie, they were doing running commentary. Right behind You the don't end. even know. When the opening credits were were shown on the screen, they were reading their like, hey, Benicia Del Toro. <laughs> I don't know who that is. And I'm like, what the fuck? There was, it was like an audiobook for Guardians of the Galaxy. There were, there were enough people between me and you, and then two more people between me and Matt, so that by the time you got down to Matt, they didn't make a difference. I could hear them every so often, but you got the full dose of Guardians of the Galaxy audio commentary. It was awful. And the final showdown between the Guardians and Ronin, um, I, they're, they're singing songs and dancing, and I had that going on behind me. It was the full yeah. IMAX wow. experience, so it was it was awful. One more quick thing I, I really liked about it was that it wasn't like the current Bendis book at all. Um, the current Brian Bendis written Guardians of the Galaxy is a one-note shit show. Every character has the same personality. Everyone's just full of one-liners and zingers. I don't know how anything gets said because every other piece of dialogue is a zinger from every character. Everyone has the same sense of humor. Everyone's, you know, everyone from Earth at least has a slick 80s reference cocked in the gun ready to go it's fucking atrocious the wittiest heroes in the universe they relaunched Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel now based on the movie that was coming out all of a sudden Peter Quill's blonde he's got a red trench coat everything looks a little more similar to the movie and so going into the movie I was like this is gonna be bullshit all the trailers are fucking comedy trailers. National and it was a comedy. And it was a comedy. It, it, it was, was funny as it shit. It was straight up But it was comedy. genuine. It was a good comedy. But when all was said and done, it the tone of it and you know the humanity of it, the characters resembled the Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning run of Guardians that I loved to death. Way more than Bendis's One Note Bullshit. So, like, I was really happy that, you know, this movie was like, you know what, we may share some visual similarities, but, you know, the, who these characters are at their core, we're going to the shit that's really revered by fans over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Matt, what'd you like about it? Man, I don't know, not, not much. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just arbitrarily gave it an eight. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to fit in. <laughs> uh, I think that Ian did a great job uh, comparing it to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So your favorite part of the movie was Ian. Meet, yeah, it was Ian. <laughs> was Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Star Wars? I think that um, you know those are two of my favorite film 
franchises and just kind of seeing that come together like that. I can't even think of another movie that is like that as, as much as Guardians of the Galaxy is. I mean, there was, in my opinion, very little uh, superhero to it, and it was way more just action-adventure sci-fi. Uh, or space fantasy. Or space fantasy, if you will. Um, and and that was cool to me. That was that was a lot of fun. I liked that it. it was so different because I thought we were going to get this is um, Star Wars meets superheroes, and that's not really what it was. It was Star Wars meets Indiana Jones, and that was really fucking cool. Um, I, I like Dom said the CGI was awesome. I think like with Rocket particularly, Groot was pretty cool. Um, I liked, like you said, his facial expressions and everything, although his face, it's kind of funny how ironic it is, but his face to me looked like the Iron Giant who Vin Diesel also played, Yeah. Um, and it, it just kind of felt like almost the same character. Which the, Vin Diesel performance do you like better? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with slightly the Iron Giant takes it, because he has oh. more of a diversity uh, in, in his dialogue. Um, I mean diversity. We have we are Groot. I am. There's yeah. so much diversity in this one. Well, there wasn't a whole lot more in the Iron Giant. He said <laughs> rock and and uh, no following and um, Superman. I think that was Vin Diesel, an actor of our generation. <laughs> I think we can all agree that the we're going the Marlon Brando of our generation. <laughs> Uh, can I schedule it now for us to go see the next Fast and Furious movie? He's going to make $10 million to appear in one minute of Batman vs. Superman. Do you realize that Vin Diesel worked for like six minutes on Guardians of the Galaxy? Like that was his contribution. People, if you go online, people are raving about this performance. They really are. And it was good and everything. Yeah, right. But had- let's not get too crazy. I, I was hearing... Praise of Vin Diesel that well you know he did all the foreign language ADR as well but I'm like well how much more is that that's why I said six minutes and not yeah. two minutes you know, it's not like he had to do the entire movie they were kind of like whoa 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 before you go can you read this extra page but Vin Diesel is a big comic guy he's a big gay nerd so he wants to be involved in all this stuff and I appreciate. Vin Diesel really, really going for it. If I'm sure the Guardians of the Galaxy video game will have Vin Diesel doing the voice of Groot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually did notice that Guardians opened up in the movie, and then you got the Marvel page flip. Like the page flipping. Is the page flip different in this one as well? or I don't uh-huh. know if it's different. It looked different to me, but maybe not different... Maybe not so much different than the Captain America 2 one. But yeah, I don't know if it was much different, but I know that this one, we actually got into the movie, his peg, his mom died, Yeah, he went outside, the lights came, and then you got the page flipping, and then Marvel coming to the screen. Really? Then it went back into the movie. Yeah. Um, that was something I noticed immediately, because after the credit, it went right into the movie, and I was like, I'm like, shouldn't we be seeing that this is a Marvel movie? And it came in like five minutes later. And one villain, when we were talking about thin villains and ones in Marvel movies that did work and didn't work, Loki certainly did, because uh, he had dimension, 
the Winter Soldier also, I would think, is a villain that works because they had layers to them. So um, I'd have to count in these these new Marvel movies. I'd say that Winter Soldier also works as a good villain. Real quick, how great did Thanos look? He looked good. 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 He looked good. I thought he looked very good. I, th- I if thought DC looked- ever has to do Dark Side. They have a very good starting point to go. Don't from. you think yeah. that he wasn't really very menacing, though? I know he didn't have to do much, but the fact that Ronan like really stood up to him. I was like, wow. But wow. I like that Roman stood up to him and Thanos was still like, okay, little guy. Like, he wasn't he wasn't frightened. He wasn't put off by him. He was just like, whatever. Yeah, I think well, that... Well, you give me they, this stone, then I'll blow up Xandar. They That's tried to, to build up Thanos in reputation only and just kind of let you know how tough he is or how, how serious of a threat he is. And obviously we're going to see that in, what, Guardians 2 or Avengers 3? I think 3. they're doing a pretty good job with that so far. Which yeah. I'm thinking that Thanos is so, going to be the villain that has details because they're trying to build yeah. him up over. As of right now, okay, we just who are the Guardians going to fight? We can't have them do Thanos yet. Okay, we'll give him Ronan. Why does why don't they like Ronan? Because he didn't like this treaty. It doesn't matter. He, he's just a bad guy for this movie. But the long-term bad guy, your Darth Vader for this saga, is going to be... Thanos, and he's the one that they're building up and gonna give you the depth. Where Ronan is just okay. We need you for this video, for this movie. I sure yeah. hope so, but it Darth seems Paul. like it seems like a really desperate or drastic thing to do to undercut, you know, Malekith yeah. and and Ronan and and have these characters have no guts to them, just like, just to build up Thanos. Just like the Novas couldn't be too powerful to take away from Peter Quill. Ronan can't be too powerful to take away from Thanos. He is right. pretty fucking powerful. One last point. Um, the post credit scene. What a giant fucking waste of time. Boo. Are you fucking kidding me? Marvel. Are you fucking kidding me? That was with that Howard the Duck bullshit. Dom. It, it gave us back. It gave us another scene with Cosmo. I may have given it a nine if that wasn't in there. Not really. I think there was an audible groan from the audience. The knowing Howard audience. The, the, the new Duck that came was. Up, yeah. Yeah, I was fine with it. I immediately really? turned. Yeah, um, he was the collector. The more like the collector just said, "I want this." And the collector is almost a comical character. He's yeah. kind of ridiculous. It was the after credit sequence, which sometimes those are known to be just comical bits, um, like at the end of Avengers, the, the second one, right? Isn't and, that the only one that's comical? Yeah, but what was this? No, movie? The one after this Thor was comical. Was almost a, a comedy. The one after Thor was comical. Thor, was the one? Thor, the Dark World. The Dark World. The birds in New York and like nope. that one. The, no, that one was, after Thor that was, was the collector one. one. That was yeah, the collector the where they deliver. The Dark World was the collector. The, there were two. There were two in Thor, and they both were comedic. Things. So how come this this after credit scene couldn't be some serious shit? Like, fuck, my shit just got blown up. The ether and the tesseract are gone. Yeah, that's another thing that they didn't really touch on. Like the ether is gone now too. Who has that? Did they? Did I miss that? The tesseract or? is still on Earth. The tesseract. With Hydra. No, the tesseract is in Asgard. Is Asgard Loki. With Loki. Loki has it at the at the end because Thor had the briefcase with the tesseract and Loki and cups. The, uh, the collector had has had, the e- had the ether. Yeah, correct. So where is that now? But so they fucking like there's connections to other Marvel movies that they could use, but instead. Howard the Duck. 
Are you fucking kidding? That That's was, catering to like three people. I looked at Steve Adrian Gerber and I was like, and two other people. Big Howard the Duck fan. Uh, maybe, but I mean, who is the collector to the the main uh, movie going audience? Uh, after the end of Thor The Dark World. I mean, probably more people know who fucking Howard the Duck is than The Collector. Yeah, but I mean, and I understand that The Collector would have one of those duck people because that's his shtick. But it's not about The Collector. It's about making connections to the entire Marvel universe. I understand. And making people be like, oh, shit. Not... Because... What? And another thing is... This is the last Marvel movie until Age of Ultron. You would think that you would have some kind of gateway some or tie in there that you could do, or maybe maybe they went the other way and thought, you know what, there's too much. This time is our between. let's just this is our own separate thing and let it be its could own be. separate I, thing. What I liked was that it clearly looked like the way he's illustrated in the original Steve Gerber drawing. Yeah, he was the original. He didn't look like he did in the movie. The Lucasfilm movie from years ago, yeah. he looked like the comic book, and I was like, "That's kind of cool, actually." That he looks like the drawing. I, I mean, I'm just I, obviously into that shit. Seeing those drawings come. To I, life. Did, I did some research on that today, and they said it went. He was after like the first six or eight issues of Howard the Duck. Disney came back with a cease and desist, saying that looks a lot like Donald. So Marvel's like, "Well, then, what do you want us to do?" Disney. Redrew what Howard the Duck said, and they were like, "Oh, by the way, this is your new Howard the Duck," and gave it to him. And Marvel just went with it, and Marvel went with with Disney's version of Howard, and the version that we just saw in Guardians of the Galaxy is pre Disney. Oh, is pre Disney Howard? So it's the it's, it's the Howard. That got Disney upset in the wow. first place. But now it's Disney that, that owns so it. So deep of an explanation. <laughs> it's funny Disney now owns it, so they can. Yes, yeah, so they can. Yeah. Well, now here's here's something that, uh, from what I understand, Steve Gerber, the creator of Howard the Duck, lost the rights or, or created them for Marvel, but then he wanted to do something with them and he couldn't because he didn't own them anymore. So he went and created a new Duck character called Destroyer Duck. Who, by the way, teamed up with Savage Dragon in the late '90s or mid '90s, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to borrow that issue? I have it. I don't need to borrow. I'll that bring issue. it next week. <laughs> All right. Well, but Steve Gerber and whoever else—they got immediate credit right after that scene. It was. Well, how, us, yeah, it's Steve, Ber- Steve, Gerber. Steve Gerber, I believe, passed away about ten years ago. Yeah. I think Heart attack. Howard the Duck they uh, was voiced by Seth Green. Seth Green did the voice oh, really? of Howard the Duck. Wow. Yeah. Maybe and they said that the being Leonardo. They said that the Nathan Fillion cameo came earlier in the film, but I don't know who it was. Nathan, the cameo Nathan Fillion had, he did the voice of the guy that Groot. Oh, the one that said that he was going to rape Peter Quill. Yeah. Nice. Because the way Pe- to go to Disney. The, rape. Yeah. The Peter. The the the. Cameo in the credits said like hulking inmate or giant grisly. It should have said it was the guy that grew racist. Well, I for one am full of comic book podcasts tonight. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Well, because Paul is. Wouldn't we agree? Paul's full. Wouldn't we agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think you would. You had one too many Twinkies tonight, pal. I had two. Twinkie count. 
Two. Two. Dom. Two. Uh, no, no, I feel bad. <laughs> My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell. And special guest star. I am Groot. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>